0: Welcome to our show, Get Real Local in the Tennessee River Valley. I'm your host, Joe Harper. Every show, we will be talking with local people about the best places and things to do in the Tennessee Valley. Pull up a chair and explore more with us as we get real local.
1: So we're welcoming everybody back to this week's episode of Get Real Local in the Tennessee Valley. And our guest today is Tim Prudic. An East Tennessee native, and I suspect I could call you a tree conservationist—not necessarily a hugger. Tim, thanks for being with me today.
0: <laughs> thanks for inviting me in. I'm—you're quite welcome, and uh, you can call me whatever you want to. I guess tree hugger, tree conservationist, and wildlife biologist—all those things apply.
1: Okay. So. Today, we're going to talk a little bit about TVA, which you were there, and the role that TVA planted had in planting trees to conserve okay. the lands and waters that, as we always think about our region, as full of beautiful lakes and rivers. So, Tim, give us a little bit of background on how the Tennessee Valley Authority began their tree planting program.
0: Well... You have to go all the way back to the beginning, the TVA, to kind of get into that, and, and even and George Norris and all the other folks who knew something about the area, who looked at the area and realized what a mess the Tennessee Valley was when they first started pitching the the new or the Tennessee the TVA as part of the New Deal. Part of that was because they knew what desperate need the the valley had, and and by valley I mean everything that flows into and has to do with the Tennessee River, and so one of the first things they wanted to do was get erosion under control. And to do that, you had to do several things, but tree planting was one of them. And um, that's trees are one of the best ways to hold, to anchor and hold soil. Not to mention the, the shade it provides for other things and cover. And uh, if you ever saw any pictures of the Tennessee Valley area. Prior to TVA, uh, you get a at least the upper the upper end of the valley. Um, you realize just how bad erosion was here, and it w- it was bad the whole length. But up here where it's steeper and uh, water runs off faster, and, and uh, it was just a critical critical situation. Not to mention the floodwaters and all that that were part of that too. And all even forest even forestation slows down floodwaters so they had to get on that pretty fast. And to do that, they went out and actually brought in some of the best forestry people in the land that they could hire at that time to bring in, you know, as part of TVA. And they created tree farms primarily at Norris in the early years and uh, started growing their own tree stock so that they had plenty of trees to go out and plant. And over the course of the last 80 something years, uh, TVA has planted millions and millions of trees in the Tennessee Valley, River Valley, and and all along the watershed areas of the Tennessee River Valley. Uh, a good example of that is the uh, Copper Hill area, which was looked like a World War One battlefield before TVA started planting. It. it was something that was even visible. It was a scar that was visible from outer space and. That that has been cleaned up tremendously due to tree plantings and grass plantings and things of that nature. But uh, tree planting TVA was really big into the early tree planting and improvement programs.
1: Well, Tim, I've had the ability to go down and see Copper Hill, and I know I've seen pictures of what how blighted it was. And when we think about that area today, and they're in southern Tennessee, and honestly north georgia that has become an outdoor recreation um, trout fishing and uh, water rafting and floating so i think that the tree planting not only stopped erosion but certainly cleaned up some of those rivers Um, i've been out with you tim and i know tva is still involved in this work Uh, can you tell me a little bit about what you did when you were working for TVA and some of the trees that you planted in the Norris Watershed and why?
0: Uh, sure. Um, it's kind of an ongoing situation. I mean, you're, there's always room for trees, and but and you know, as much as we planted and cre- 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 created correct, excuse me, corrected a bunch of those er- bad areas. Um, there's still clear cuts or areas that have been timbered poorly or taken care of badly that they could use trees and, and even around the lake edge. So we, we always had kind of ongoing programs early on when I was there to uh, make sure civilians or you know local residents got trees every year uh, so they could plant their own in their backyards and in those areas. And TVA was always planting trees uh, on islands and, and different areas where we wanted to make sure the soil held up. And whatnot, and we took. Um, I planted myself a lot of riparian edge trees for that same purpose. So we planted everything from sas or not sassafras um, persimmon trees and native willows, and and then uh, one of my favorite trees to plant was the uh, ball cypress. And we have had we planted several areas of ball cypress over. The course of TVA, I planted some on the lake, and then but you could see them on the lake when I all around in different areas. And there's a couple of really old stands around the lake that have been there for quite some time. Um, some people might say that that tree wasn't necessarily native up here, but it, it was native, it just wasn't as common. The uh, we're right on its upper range pretty much, and so we planted quite a few cypress around the area, not not. Not enough that they're going to take over or anything like that, but you know, around the edge they work well. Uh, they're really good for when you have inundations of shallow water for certain periods of the year. Uh, they can stand to have their feet wet, so to speak, for long periods, and that's why they create those knees. Um, the knees project up above the water's edge or up above the the silt and the mud and so the tree can breathe and last in that kind of situation. So all those things were effect you know played a role. And we did a lot of stream rehabilitation over the years too and and native willows were one of the easiest things you could plant along uh, stream banks because you can literally at the right time of year you can cut sprigs off of them, stick them in the ground and they literally take root and, and grow and help hold stream banks. So those are it's a couple of species of trees that play a role around shorelines and waterways.
1: Why don't you tell the listeners today, if they're up on Lake Norris, where they might be able to see some bald cypress um, on the lake.
0: Okay. Well, probably one of the most impressive stands that you can find cypress in is up in, uh, is near what used to be Anderson County Boat Dock, but is now... Um, Oh, shoot, help me there. What's the name of that now? Um,
1: Waterside.
0: Waterside Marina, yes. If you go back towards Waterside and up the creek there, and and if you bear off to your right as you go back in that cove and just keep going on past the marina and pretty much back as far as you can go, there's a really nice stand of ball cypress back in there that were planted probably 60, 70 years ago or more. And, uh, I'm not sure when they got planted, but they're big and, and shady, and I always thought that was a really cool place to go. You know, be in a boat where you can kind of float in amongst those trees. And if I was on the lake working and we happened to be in that area, we'd go back there for lunch. We'd park under those trees and eat a eat our sandwich or whatever while we had a few minutes to park and in a boat. I mean, and uh, I just it, I always just thought it was a really neat place to be and look at. The trees are impressive. And compared to around here they're they're huge. Those are probably the largest ones I can think of. Uh, you mm-hmm. can also see them up along um, in the Claiborne uh not Claiborne but Campbell County. And um oh shoot, my memory's failing me this morning. Um well Dokes you- Pond area and Dokes Creek, there's a bunch planted too. <clears throat> and then I planted and you planted some Excuse me, my voice is going here. i get a drink. <clears throat> we planted some around some of the islands near uh, Lost Creek and up in that area and uh, around the um, outlet, the inlet that goes back towards uh, Big Ridge State Park, some of those outer islands. We planted some. So there's a few scattered. And then if you look, you'll find them just sort of randomly scattered around the reservoir because the acorns, or not acorns, the uh, cones, excuse me, fall off and float around or, or they get carried up upstream and I've seen them pretty far up the river that somehow they got up there, got carried by somebody or something and you'll just find some off growing off a point, so it's they're pretty neat to see
1: they are neat to see, and I, I, I would also tell listeners that if you're a fan of Norris Dam State Park and you don't have a boat, if you're walking on Songbird Trail, you're going to see these up closer to the dam. There's a stand of about three of them. And one of the unique things is that unlike most what we think of as pine trees, all the needles fall off and the, in, the, in the winter and then they come back in the summer it looks like a dead tree would you would you describe it it looks sort of dead in the winter tim
0: yeah it does they're an interesting tree because they're they're an evergreen tree in essence but they act like a deciduous tree in in that they drop their needles um pretty much every winter I, some i think there's some will hang on to them past the winter and then maybe drop them next year But they, but yeah, they'll just drop all their needles. They'll turn kind of a golden color and then fall off, and then they they all come back next year. So it's different from a pine tree that we think of around here as a coniferous coniferous tree. But they, um, but they, like I said, they act more like a deciduous tree. So they're pretty neat in that regard.
1: Tim, we've been talking a lot about, and you alluded to it earlier, um, the history of TVA being part of the program for the New Deal, and then of course why Norris Dam was called Norris Dam with George Norris. Do you, can you give us a little background on 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 Senator Norris and his opinion of planting?
0: Well, Senator Norris, interestingly to me, was always that he wasn't from around here. Uh, he's a, a I believe Nebraska. Or is it correct. Kansas, but it's one of the Midwest states, Nebraska. And, um, uh, he was, a, um, I I believe a Senator from there and he was working, I guess he was working with, uh, I'm not sure exactly what his status was early on when Franklin, uh, took office in 33, but he, or 34, but he, um, he visited this area quite a bit and he, he was kind of, um, a, a follower of, uh, um, Pinchot, which was, Guilford Pinchot kind of came to fame when Teddy Roosevelt was the president, or Theodore, and be more for, uh, proper, I guess, I'll give him all respect that's due. <laughs> but uh, Guilford Pinchot was the first director of the Forest Service in this country and was a really huge proponent on he He believed in harvesting trees and used them, but he also believed in conservation and making sure they were there for to last and He believed in their what they could do for the land just the whole land and different things i mean he had a real land ethic back then people like him Aldo leopold and well Aldo Leopold kind of gave it its name the the land ethic they had they saw more to timber and trees for example, than just money. And cutting them all down for paper, cutting them all down for lumber. So they believed in replanting and all that. And Norris was—I uh, don't know if you'd call him a student of, but he was a, certainly a fan of Pinchot. And so that came along with it. And so when he got involved, he—he kind of what I've read, and I guess there's different stories about how you know TVA came about with Franklin Delano Roosevelt. It was—it obviously served several purposes, but. You know, part of the reason it came along was Pin—or not Pincho, excuse me—Norris um, explained to him what the situation was down here. How saw how critical erosion was, saw the fact that people down here were pretty much starving to death in in their own way uh, because their land was just used up and they they just didn't. A lot of them were on the brink of just having to desert their farms. And, and you got to remember too, this was right in the early days of the early years of the great depression. So nothing was going very well here. And, um, he saw that and not, they also realized, of course, how many people it could put to work to do this. So, um, he he wanted to, he explained all that, I guess he and his other colleagues and they convinced Roosevelt that this would be a really great project, Um uh, He explained how it would be a way to plan for the future. Um, You know, TVA was always about future planning and trying to plan communities and development and that sort of thing to fit with the land, especially in the early days of TVA. And, of course, there was the flood situations, and, you know, Norris came in here and saw how Chattanooga got flooded out just not yearly but almost yearly in all the smaller towns and countryside such as going on right now in eastern Kentucky for example uh, that that sort of thing happened all over east tennessee in the early days of the, this century prior to T, well and before prior to this prior to TVA but it got worse and worse and worse as people denuded the land and and didn't farm it correctly, and so TVA came along and taught people how to contour farm. They taught them how to fertilize the land, rejuvenate the land, and then plant stuff on the land, as in grasses, trees, especially, and that sort of thing, to help hold the dirt. And that rejuvenated the land. I've met, I've, when I first went on at TVA, I was never quite sure what people would say that I met out in the field if they would just you know hate TVA or tell me the stories how TVA stole their land but surprisingly what the story I heard most often was that uh, if it hadn't been for TVA a lot of these people would have starved to death because they were just their farms were just farmed out they were just there was nothing left and the soil was depleted and it was just literally washing down river and heading towards the Gulf of Mexico I suppose um so he was an advocate of trying to fix those things and and that's what TVA worked on very hard to do.
1: So I think it's kind of interesting when we when we go out to say a Lake Norris and we see all those trees, we can't imagine unless we look back to the days of the dam being built how really um, raw that that land looked, how how empty it looked. Um, I, I'm going to ask you one more question, Tim. You've retired from the TVA, but I think you had a legacy project out there that you invested quite a bit of time in in planting. Would you like to tell everybody about the last project that you were involved in and where those seedlings came from?
0: Yeah, I would. Uh, and I say I'd, I'd kind of jokingly say it's my legacy because that's kind of how I it, I feel like it's one of the more important things I did while I worked there and I'm hoping that it'll be a project that'll be there for many years to come and uh, but like I said in the early days of TVA they created nurseries and and uh, orchards to grow trees uh native trees for this area that could be planted out along these stream banks and lake banks and and you know to put the trees back on the land and all down the valley and Norris was the area where TVA was sort of concentrated in the early days for that kind of work, so they created several nurseries along the property of Norris Dam Reservation. And there was a big part of their tree improvement program was based out of there. And in the course of that, they took seedlings all over the state, and uh, there was a bunch of, uh, I believe it's northern red oaks, but it could have been some whites too, were taken up around Watauga Reservoir and planted up there in an orchard. And when I say orchard, people think of apple orchards a lot, but um when you look at forestry orchards are any group of trees where they can that are planted and and cultivated and work to, you know, recover the seed base so they gather seeds from those trees, acorns in that case or pine cones in the case of certain pines and that sort of thing so they can plant them. And rejuvenate, start them somewhere else. Plant them in the uh, the garden beds that they made, or not garden, but greenhouse beds, and you know replant those. And, and another interesting place, and I I learned about this. I didn't know about this. I, I'm something of a connoisseur of uh, fine drink, but I didn't realize that Jack Daniels would have been involved. And early in the early years, uh, Jack Daniel has a proprietary or a, a way they blend their whiskeys. And in order for it to be a Tennessee sour mash whiskey, and it's also considered a bourbon, it has to be filtered through sugar maple charcoal. So every every drop of of uh, Jack Daniel's whiskey goes through some kind of a charcoal filter, and that charcoal is made out of sugar maples. So early on, the the uh, proprietors of Jack Daniels decided or figured out that they probably, order, in order to make sure they always had a good, steady supply of sugar maples, that they should plant their own. And so they got involved with the University of Tennessee, who was here in Knoxville, and, and of course linked in with TVA, and worked in with starting to plant their own seed orchards and their own orchards of of, or groves of sugar maples down near the, uh, in different parts of the state, closer to where the distillery is. So they did. They took some TVA sugar maples and took them down there, or sugar maples that came out of TVA's greenhouses, and took them down there, and that was part of the program. And over the years, those groves and, and seed orchards have grown and grown and grown, and secured Jack Daniel's supply of, of uh, charcoal. But a few and a few years ago, the University of Tennessee's um, tree improvement program head, which is Dr. Scott Schlarbaum, um, he and I had known each other when I was at, in undergraduate and graduate school at the University of Tennessee in Knoxville, and they were wanting to rejuvenate some of the the orchards and the plantings that were on TVA's North Dam Reservation. So in a sense, they wanted to try to reactivate some of the old tree program, the tree improvement program, which just briefly, the tree improvement program is nationwide and they're out there trying to figure out which different trees grow the best, both for production-wise to help the economy, but also trees that are resistant to some of the blots and insect problems that we've had in the last century with, you know, with some of our more important tree species. And once we got some of that worked out, we were able to go in there and replant um, seedlings on Norris Dam Reservation of sugar maples. And those sugar maples had made the journey from TVA in East Tennessee all the way out to Middle and West Tennessee for for uh, Jack Daniels, and then their siblings or their not siblings, but their offspring, so to speak, <laughs> had made it all the way back to Norris to start a new orchard and a new grove there up there on Norris Dam Reservation. So in many ways, uh, they restored the prodigal tree, returned home, I guess you could say, <laughs> and so they came back. and And also on that part of that, we planted, or, and they have since planted. Uh, quite a few oak trees, and most of those oak trees have, were propagated by acorns that were collected from that original oak stand up on Watauga near Elizabethan, Tennessee. So, in a sense, those trees came home too, and now they're being grown right there on Norris Dam Reservation for the future of you know, and hopefully the seedlings from, or the seeds from them, and they're offspring, so to speak, will grow around the state and continue to have help Tennessee keep a, a vibrant and prosperous tree program and, and forest industry, if you will, and all part of that, and TVA will once again play a role in that, thanks to some of the work that Scott Slarbaum and TVA are doing right there on Norris Dam Reservation.
1: Wow, Tim, you've taken us from 1933 and the Prohibition through the legacy of Jack Daniels in our state and back. And um, we certainly have learned quite a bit about the history of TVA and tree planting from you today. For all our listeners out there, you can learn more about the valley at ExploreTRV.com. Thanks for joining us, and we'll be back next time with more local stories from the valley. Thank you, Tim.
0: Thank you, Julie. And as always, thanks for bringing me on and having me on your show. A big thank you to our sponsor, Tennessee Valley Authority. Thanks for stopping in to listen today. If you have a great story and want to learn more, follow us on ExploreTRV.com.
1: That's ExploreTRV.com.